1: From baseball's top personalities The Hall of Famer, one of the great TV broadcasters Bob Costas is here on A's Cast Live To the
0: A's legendary players
1: Five-time Major League Baseball home run champ Mark McGuire is with
0: us here You never know what stories you're going to hear We used to go out here to lunch and run with our shirts off (laughs) (laughs) You would say. This is A's Unfiltered
2: with Chris Townsend
1: Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Today you're going to hear from two players and the voice of your Oakland Athletics. It's Stephen Piscotty, Nick Allen, and the great Kent Korak. But let's first hear from the right fielder. Stephen Piscotty's with us here on A's Cast Live. Now, you've been on this program many a times, but this is the first time you're doing it. Now and we're on video. We have video,
3: now. Nice. They get to see you I get you now. over here so you can see me? Yeah,
1: we All get right. to see you now. How are you? Good, how are you? Uh, life is good. Great to have you back. Good to see you healthy. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. It's been been a long road back, but great to be here. Like, just just tell people just how much rehab and being away from the team, just how much that just sucks as a player. Yeah, it
3: definitely kind of will suck the energy out of you at times, um, but uh, you just got to keep pushing through and... And put your work in, and um, you know they work us pretty hard. And you leave feeling each day um, that you got better. So um, you just try to chase that
1: um, while you're while you're on the IL, and then get ready to go. And how much do you also have to say? I want to be back so bad, but I got to listen to them because sometimes they got to save you from yourself. Oh yeah,
3: yeah. Uh, that that's a bit of the a bit of the battle sometimes the players and the training staff Um, but it's all you know coming from a good place of wanting to get back out on the field and um, you know with the the calf this time around um, you know I tried pushing pushing and hit a day where it it kind of flared up on me and had to realize that the calf is a tricky injury and that um, you know look at a lot of guys that have had major setbacks and didn't want to have that uh, obviously this year so um, after that little flare-up let it calm down and got back to it and thankfully it's been good ever since
1: yeah people need to realize whether i've hurt my calf and you start talking about the calf and the achilles tendon and there's like there it's 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 you got to have your rest and you got to let it get back or uh, things cannot be good but i can tell you this having you back middle of the order in my scorebook, i write piscotti i don't care if you're in right your dh it makes me feel good because it's like you're bringing some lumber back to this offense that really needs it.
3: Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to do my part and I think we're all trying to, you know, do our, our part. And, um, you know, it's definitely been, um, a bit of a, a tough go of late trying to get runs across. Um, you know, but everyone's, everyone's battling and everyone's working. Um, uh, there's a lot of fight in this team. We're, we're continuing to fight. And, uh, we're, we're going to get better.
1: Well, that that's one thing I think for, you know, the first year of Mark Kotze, and, and he said it to us down in Mesa, like, hey, no matter what the record is, no matter what happens, no matter who's here, this team is going to fight every game because, you know, there's certain teams, things start to go bad, everybody – You know, the team splinters, as they say back in the day, they say 25 different cabs to the ballpark. (laughs) You have not seen that with this team. Just talk about how this team still fights hard every day before, after, during the fight's still there.
3: Yeah, there's an expectation of of effort level for sure. And, um, you know, I think, you know, we're in these games. I don't don't feel like we're getting blown out um, by any means. We're remaining competitive. Um, We're – kind of having to relearn how to win some games. You know, we're letting a, f- a few slip away. Um, but, again, we're, we're, we're just fighting, and um, this is kind of part of the, the, the state of this team right now. And, um, you know, you look at certain guys like Loriano, you know, in Cleveland, you know, getting getting the guys fired up and that yeah. sort of thing. There, there's a lot of determination. There's no one taking it easy right now.
1: And you got a Blue Jay team coming to town. they got a lot of firepower. Fourth of July, you yeah. got fireworks yeah. tonight just for you guys. What what does playing on on Fourth of July mean to you? Oh, it means
3: means everything. Um, you know, a lot of the Memorial Days and July Fourth, and these are really um, awesome days to kind of you know show your appreciation to you know the country and, and that sort of thing. And um, you know, there's always a lot of fans. You got the fireworks, you got the excitement. We got uh, Matt Chapman, uh, you know, on the opposing side. It should be a really fun um, atmosphere, and you know, we love playing in that kind of environment
1: you know you've you've now played a while you know what's it like when you have a teammate a guy that you went to battle with you like a lot and you've had to do this multiple times in your career what's yeah. it like then playing against him
3: um you know it it's a little weird the first couple innings um just it doesn't look right seeing that that former teammate in a different uniform um but after like you said being through it a few times you know it's it's just business it's the it's business of baseball it's uh and There's another layer behind all the all the stuff that you know we're focused on, and um, it's just the way things are. And uh, it might not sit well, but that's just that's the way it is.
1: You know, one of the great comebacks, Mar, uh, is your old roommate. He's making yeah. a comeback, yeah. and yeah. we talked about it. And he was on MLB Network, and your name got mentioned. I, I'm like, God, I knew that they were at Stanford the same time, but I didn't realize you guys lived together.
3: Yeah, we were roommates. Our, our uh, last two years, um, yeah, we were very close. He uh, he grew up in in Danville and went to Montevist, and I was at Amador, so we played against. We always known each other, um, you know, through travel ball and that sort of stuff. And then yeah, so it was a natural fit to be a roommate um, at uh, at Stanford. And um, man, what a cool story! Just uh, you know, knowing him, knowing the person he is, how hard he's worked, the the things he's gone through. Um, and someone could make a movie about it, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, it's got a little bit, uh, um, Doolittle in it. Doolittle was kind of a Disney story, mm-hmm. right? He was supposed to be the A's first baseman, injuries just took it from him. Next thing you know, Sean goes to the A's and says, Hey, remember, I pitched, can I just try it? Yeah, and he went from just trying it to being here pitching big games next, Doing you know, it. in the yep. postseason. so. Uh, Mark Appel what he has done coming out of Stanford is, is pretty and, and and I love the story listening to him like he has surgery he gets his body right doesn't tell the Phillies until he's ready to come back so no one knew yeah right no yeah. one knew what was going on and the next thing he calls him up hey what do you guys think and they give him that shot right. when did you know he's really gonna do this at his age
3: yeah I mean i remember talking to him honestly multiple occasions um you know there, there was definitely the surgery but there were some other points were nagging things and um where it was like are you gonna go for it or are you not we, we I didn't know um until probably a month before he, he told the Phillies where he's like my arm's feeling good he got on a good workout uh, regimen his, his his health health was there the velo was there um and I could tell he had you know his heart in it. I think early in some of the struggles, it was more of uh, trying to prove people wrong that he wasn't a bust and all these sorts of things. And it, none of us have gone through that, right? So we don't, we're not, we can't judge on on how that goes. But it just felt like this time he was doing it for the right reasons. He, he just wanted to play ball. He wanted to be part of the guys, um, and he was having fun doing it. So I think that was uh, really, I think, what put him over the edge. I think because he was just. He just went out and dealt this year. I mean, he had a one in AAA, and he's had a couple scoreless innings in in the big league. So, um, it's just awesome.
1: Yeah, and what you just said, it just hit me. You know, in other sports, you know, because I covered NFL, NBA, and everything, when you are the number one overall pick, you have these expectations, everybody know. in baseball – you know, it's yeah. baseball America, people. You're, you're not treated the same. So for him to feel that way truly as the number one overall pick, I want to prove that I'm not a bust. Yeah. You would see that in the NFL and the NBA. You don't hear a lot about that in baseball.
3: No, and, and baseball's hard, right? Because you're not in you know, NFL, NBA, you're drafted first overall. You're going to be in the, the starting lineup for whatever pref, uh, the professional team you, you've been drafted by. And you, remember, you. it was
1: a big day on TV when they drafted yeah. you, right? Yeah. It's a big production.
3: Yeah. In baseball, you you can go 1-1, but you still got to earn it and, and go through the minor leagues and do everything. Um, and so, you know, that injuries are tough. You know, I, I can obviously stand here going through a few to, to tell you how, how difficult it is um, when you're not feeling like yourself to, to go out there. And um, I don't know the weight that he was, you know, feeling there, and I, I can't imagine. So um, for him to, to get all that, you know, aside and to to continue on and to make this comeback it's it's truly incredible
1: let's end on this because of course recently you guys had your golf tournament and your father was either on with us or he was on television and he mentioned the number you guys have raised the amount of money and it was like wow yeah do you ever wow we've done a lot i mean you guys the the awareness obviously is huge remembering your mother the amount of money you've helped raise to try and fight this yeah. what does that mean to you?
3: It means a lot. Yeah, we hit, we hit the one million mark, which was a, a huge um, accomplishment for for our group that that's been working tirelessly on on all sorts of events. And then um, you know, there's the fundraising awareness side, and then there's also the research side, which not a lot of people um, get to see. That my dad is working equally as hard at. Um, and, you know, we've got this roadmap to a cure, and we've funded a few of the, the little stops on that on that roadmap. So um, it's awesome to see progress. You know, there's a lot more to, to go, but uh, we feel really proud of the, the work we've done. Um, I know my mom is, is uh, proud of the work as well.
1: Well, great stuff. Thank you for stopping by. I know you have a hitters meeting, and uh, once oh, again, yeah. it's You're great. You're right. It <laughs> reminded me. <laughs> yeah, it, it's great to write you in the lineup. It's great to have awesome. you back. Yep, good being back. we got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. Always great to talk about Stephen Piscotty. Good to know he's getting healthy once again, and his fight for his mother is absolutely unbelievable. How about Nick Allen, the new second baseman slash shortstop for your Oakland Athletics? He stopped by A's Cast Live. And the guy who got his first career dinger last night, Nick Allen, joins us here on A's Cast Live. Last time we were just, oh, big league, family, everything. How nice is it to come back up? You're not dealing with all that. You're just you're coming back just to play. How good has that been?
2: Uh, I mean amazing. Um, you know, it's obviously it's great to have my family here, um, you know, for my debut. Um but now, like, it's just time to play some baseball. Try to help the team win whichever way I can. So I think that's what I came in with the mentality to do. Um and, you know, it's still like obviously it's the big leagues, so it's a little different but uh, you know, I came with a better mindset for sure.
1: You got the change up and you didn't miss it. When you hit it, did you know it was gone?
2: You know, I didn't know it was gone. Um it felt good. I just was like, just don't catch it. <laughs> Whatever you do, <laughs> don't catch it. Let this let me get on base right here. Yeah. Um, and you know, fortunately I went over the fence, so uh I was definitely happy when I saw that.
1: And when you're going around the bases you're flying around. What are you thinking? Like, I mean, the adrenaline's going. I mean, do, do you think, wow, my first big league home run. What's going through your mindset as you're on the base? You know, I was
2: definitely thinking about that. I was like, dang, like this is, you know, this is what it feels like. Um, and, you know, I was just happy that I did it. Um, just happy to help the team put some runs on the board. Um, but, no, it was definitely uh, running around. I just thought about, you know, a lot of my family, you know, everything they've sacrificed, and it's like, Dang, I wish they were here for it. Luckily, my fiance was in the stands. Um, but uh, no, it was definitely a surreal moment. It definitely happened fast. You know, it happened yeah. quicker than I thought it would. So uh, when I got back in the dugout, I was like, "Dang, that just that just happened." And it, you know, I wish I would have slowed down a little bit more and just to uh, take it all in.
1: A little more of a trot, a little yeah. more, a little, yeah. a little more pimping it a little bit would have been. But it's your first one. Yeah. You're so jacked up. It's unbelievable. Uh, the speed of the game. Do you think it's going to change for you than the last time we saw you?
2: You know, um, I, I'm hoping it does. Uh, I think it's just baseball. So that, that, yesterday I felt great. So um, I know it will. Uh, and, I mean, it's definitely a difference. Obviously, that's why it's the big leagues. But um, it's baseball at the end of the day. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm the more I play, the more I, I feel a lot better.
1: So tell us the difference, because obviously Triple-A, the great talent down there. I mean, you're still talking the best players in the world are in Triple-A, uh, as well as here in the, at the big league level. Just tell us what it's like, the speed of the game, because I know that's something David Forrest talked about with you. Speed of the game, Triple-A versus up here.
2: I think it's just getting used to playing in, um, in a big stadium with a lot of fans uh, and being able just to lock in on the moment. I think when you do that, then it just becomes baseball. Um you know so at the end of the day locking in on what you need to do uh making sure all that out it's the outside noise i think that's the biggest thing for sure so it's keeping your blinders on focusing on what you got to do help the team win um and i think that's when it starts slowing down um, a lot easier uh, but there's just it's consistent talent up here for sure you know you know you don't get a night off so uh, not saying you do in triple a but you know having to take in everything from the outside and then focusing on what you got to do on the field you know, it's, uh, that's, I think that's the biggest thing.
1: And that's something that it's hard to explain to the fans because the, the fans just see you guys as baseball players. They don't think about when you leave here everything that's going on. And, yeah, up here it's a di- it definitely is a different lifestyle. It's just different. It's hard to explain.
2: It's hard for me to explain, too. I mean, uh, but uh, I'm just glad I'm here. Whatever I can do to help the team win um, is my, obviously, biggest priority. So, uh you know, I'm just – I'm happy to be here. And the cool
1: thing, call him up, get him in the lineup. That's always good. What did Mark Kotze say to you when you came back up?
2: You know, it was just good to have you here. Um, you know, all this – pretty much the same old stuff. I mean, Kotze, I mean, I know he's San Diego. Um, I'm from San Diego, so uh, we've kind of known each other before any of this. Uh, but, I mean, he was just, you know, be ready to play. And I think that's the biggest thing. I was ready to play, so.
1: And then we're going to see it back at the natural spot, shortstop tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, The moving around, do you like it, or would you rather just say, hey, listen, I play short, let's roll here, old number six in the infield?
2: Yeah, I mean, growing up, I was just pretty much a lot of shortstop, but I knew I had to play second base uh, because that would help me in my career. and I've obviously – I've done that my whole my whole life. But wherever you need me is where I'm going to play, and that's where I'm comfortable playing, whether you need me at in center field or catcher or whatever you need. Center field? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Have you uh, played outfield? Uh, maybe like one time in like Little League or a couple times, I don't know. But uh, whatever you need me to do. So tonight's shortstop, and obviously that's my main position, so I'm, I'm pumped and uh, ready to go. So when you've gone over to
1: second base, ha- have you gotten to a, a point to where you're as comfortable – Playing second is shorter, or shorters, it's still a little different.
2: No, I've always been comfortable there. I think there's some certain things that I can keep working on, uh, and that's what Emar and I are doing. Um, Emar's infielding coach yeah. uh, and first base coach, and uh, yeah, we're just working on some certain flips, you know, that I can get in a game or being in the shift. I think that's the biggest thing because growing up, you never practiced the shift, especially for me at second base too. Uh, so um, just getting used to that. And other than that, I mean, I played it. I've, I've played a lot of games there, uh, I think, throughout my minor, my minor league career. So I'm pretty comfortable.
1: Yeah, people don't think about how shifting changes. Like, from a shortstop standpoint, for years, we would take Marcus Simeon and put him in short right field. I mean, he was getting balls. He was It would be a ball be rope to him. And he's like in front of the right fielder picking it up, throwing the guy at first base. I don't think people realize in second base, we can move you up the middle, can move you. There's so many different ways you move guys in the shifts. And it's something I've asked and no one really wants to answer because I sit here and I watch every BP. I watch you guys take ground balls. No one's taking ground balls in short right field. It's like you guys don't practice it as much as they claim that they do. Uh, so talk about how the shifting around is – not as comfortable as people may think it
2: is. It's, I mean, when you go out, I want to take ground balls today. You know, you just go out to, like, what, shortstop or second base, and that's kind of like the, those main positions. But, um, you know, early work, we do get some work in there. Not a lot out in short right field. Uh, probably um, something I, I can work on myself. Uh, just get out there and tell you, Mario, like, I want to take some ground balls out here. Because it's something you need to practice. You're going to be in the game doing it. So when well, uh, you've never made that throw. Yeah. I mean, you uh, – uh, it's just, I guess, it's just something you just do naturally, right? So, um, but no, we do work on a lot of double plays in the shift. I think that's the biggest thing because that's you're in a different spot, different, you know, it's different throws. Um, but definitely, I mean, I could take it upon myself to go out there and, and take some more ground balls. Uh, but no, we put in a lot of work, a lot of good work. Uh, everything we do here is structured in the right way, so.
1: Yeah, I just think that there, there is something about when you get a ground ball and you look, let's say you're at second base and you look and now you're throwing to second. And at turning the double play, there's a third baseman there yeah. and not a shortstop. There's just stuff that, like you said, you didn't see it as a kid yeah. and you don't see it as much. Then you get up here and it got to a point you're shifting on almost every batter. And then, you, you know, you got guys who are used to playing on the right side. Now they're playing on the left side because we now shift against right-handed hitters more than ever before. It just I could see where it's just not comfortable.
2: No it's, it's, uh, it's learning it's a learning step it's more more reps the more you get uh, feel better and the more confidence you get uh, and I'm in a good place with it right now so the aha moment
1: now for you in the big leagues like I'm here. ah this is great. what's the aha moment
2: uh, and I don't know it's just being in the stadium. You know, after early work, you know, sitting on the bench and being just looking out and be like, man, there's not another level above this. You're here. You have nowhere to yeah. go after this. You have nowhere to go. So <laughs> now it's just you're staying here and uh, doing every whatever, whatever you can to, uh, you know, to put wins on the board. Um, so I think that was definitely a big aha moment is when you, you know, you're sitting on that bench and you're looking out and you're like, dang, we're here. You
1: know, I, I hate to bring up the record, but the record is what it is. It's the worst record in baseball right now, and obviously this is a team. Same thing across with the Seattle Mariners. It's not the season that they're looking for. What What is it like in the clubhouse you come back up? Because obviously things have changed. It's gotten a little bit worse from a standpoint. But what's the mentality like? How is the group right now in the clubhouse? I think
2: the group's sticking together really well. Um, you know, it's baseball. Things happen. Uh, You know, we're doing everything we can. The coaching staff's putting uh, together a great plan for us to keep getting better every day. And, uh, you know, I think it's just a process. And, um, you know, it's a long season. So uh, we're just taking it one day at a time. And uh, from what I've seen is, you know, everyone's sticking together.
1: And for you, though, personally, do you see that as, hey, this is opportunity?
2: You know, I'm I'm here taking it one day at a time. Um, You know, if I get my chance to play – I'm going to try to make the most of it for sure.
1: Well, I tell you what, this, this kid grew up going to the chicken pie shop in San Diego. We got to get him over to the chicken pie shop in Walnut Creek, one of our sponsors. Yes, yes. And get you over there and get you some chicken pies. He grew up on the original back in the day.
2: Yep, I did. No, 100%. I had my birthdays there when I was younger. Great spot.
1: So we're going to have to get mm-hmm. you over at Walnut Creek. When's the next off day? It seems like we have we yeah. don't have off days ever. So <laughs> next off day, we got to get you out there. But, hey, thank you for stopping by. We appreciate it. And I've been saying it here on Ace Cast Live, not going back to Vegas again. Next time you go back to Vegas on a vacation, you want to take a trip, uh, staying here in Oakland, staying with the Oakland Athletics.
2: Hey, I'm Oakland A right now. Let's go.
1: Great stuff. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. Well, Nick's going to be a big part of the future for the Oakland Athletics. There's no question about it and we will end with the voice of your Oakland Athletics the voice of summer the great Ken Korak so you're going to have to find if you're Arizona, Arizona State uh, Oregon State, Washington State, Cal Stanford you're going to have to find because you thought well maybe what if they bring in like San Diego State, and Boise State and San Jose State but I mean it started as the Pac-6 then went to the Pac-8 then the Pac-10, now the Pac-12. Ken Korak, your entire life has been around this, this Pac pack. I don't remember
4: the Pac-6. I remember the Pac-8 when I was a kid. We used to go to games all the time when I was hanging out with my dad. We'd uh, football, basketball every weekend with the Pac-8 back then.
1: It's in trouble. Before
4: they added the Arizona schools, right? That's when they became the Pac-10. It's, uh, it's on life support. Yes, it is. Yeah, this all hap- started happening 15, 20 years ago, too, with all the conference realignment now, and it's kind of out of control. thing that – I know we, we're going to talk baseball. That We can talk anything that, we co- want. That, it concerns me about the Pac-12 in the distance. What about, like, swimming and volleyball and soccer softball, and, and baseball yeah. and softball and all that? Because yeah. the travel wasn't bad in the Pac-12. So UCLA
1: so, and USC – and then throw, okay, it's even. Because basically the Big Ten was set up to be a Midwest power, right?
4: Which it always was. And
1: then they started adding East schools and they added Rutgers and Maryland and Penn State. And then next thing you know, here comes Nebraska. But you're now going to have division games where you have schools from L.A., USC and UCLA. They're going to have to travel and vice versa. Rutgers is in New Jersey. Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, well, so no. the Closest
4: school to those would be to UCLA and SC would be like Nebraska.
1: Would be Nebraska, right yeah. yeah.
4: We, you, Iowa.
1: What's Colorado uh, and Utah going to do? Right,
4: you know, Northwesterns and Chicago. Correct. Purdue. It's not easy yeah, to get the no. Michigan,
1: Michigan State. No, it's not. <laughs> Because you're not. Cause I've
4: done that. You're not going into Detroit. Not, you got to yeah. go into
1: Detroit and then do a puddle jumper. Duel. Which we've done, yes, in yeah. the past. So sure. it's well, and then I was Paul Feinbaum, who's forever worked for ESPN and does SEC stuff. Who's like you know, Mr. College Football, talked about you know he understands why USC did it, and USC has to bring UCLA along with them. Right. But it was about USC. But he's talking about once these new contracts kick in for for ESPN's contract with SEC. And this big, this big money by Fox's is, is Big Ten. Is each school's going to be getting like 125 Tremendous million amount, a year? Uh, yeah,
4: it's that's each what it's school. all about. That's what it's all about. Yeah, there's no doubt. That's so, that's just
1: not one school. That's each school in the conference just right. for footballs getting that.
4: Yeah, and then the trickle down is that if you're the rest of the Pac-12, you're not going to come close to that, right? Correct. As they negotiate their next rights fee. So the basically they're saying $125 million per school,
1: softball, guess what? You're flying commercial to wherever you need right. to go. You
4: know, the Pac-12 is not a bad league. It just doesn't have the <laughs> marquee value of UCLA and SC. It's so the- it's going to be hard for them to negotiate the kind of contracts that you feel like you need to have to sustain a big-time program like football.
1: It's the league of the Olympic sports. Yeah. I mean, you think the Sears Trophy all these years, Stanford has won the Sears Trophy as mm-hmm. the best athletic department. I mean, basically, the Pac-12 has been where all of our swimmers and gold medalists and silver medalists and all the different sports, the Pac-12 has been huge for our the United States Olympic team.
4: You know what I liked when I was in the Big West at your alma mater doing their games? I
1: played in the Big because West. Because
4: you could drive to almost every game. That was fun. When I was doing football and basketball for the Spartans, you know, you'd jump down to UOP and Fresno State, and you know the only you'd one hit the LA schools in Long yeah. Beach and Fullerton and we Irvine. We would and, we would bust yeah. to
1: Fullerton, bust to uh, Long Beach, we'd bust to Santa Barbara, Irvine. Uh, Irvine wasn't in it at the time. You're uh, that old. Pacific. I'm. <laughs> um. The only one was Vegas. UNLV was yeah, where we. So t- Vegas
4: was in the league when you were. Yeah. Playing. So what we years were you at San Jose?
1: Uh, 91 through 95. Okay,
4: that's when I was I started at, at Vegas in 92. You were so, just
1: – your tenure was at the end of your football when I got there.
4: Right, my last year doing football. You took all your bowl rings 91. and I got, left I us. Of which we got three while yeah. I was there. You took all your championships yeah. and you left us. 86, 87, and 90 for the Spartans in the California Bowl.
1: Yet see, all of you A's fans think of Ken Korak as yours. There's still some – People down in uh, Spartuni Land who view they're Ken, dwindling, who, who, who still view Ken Korak as the voice of the San Jose State they're, Spartans.
4: It's, it's a dwindling group.
1: Uh, we had Matt Chapman on. I don't know yeah. if you heard.
4: Yeah, it's great. Great and, to hear
1: him. Uh, I allowed him, like I have with every former player. I'm not trying to be controversial, but you know me. I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to give you the chalk. What was it like trying to find the other clubhouse? I would say. Hey, was the contract offered? Did you turn it down? Mm-hmm. And I let him go, and right. he did it. And
4: He was honest with you?
1: He was honest. There was a contract. It wasn't. He claims it wasn't about the money, being a Boris guy. I don't know if I completely buy that, but I do buy the, the fact that he didn't want to be the only guy, knowing that the mm-hmm. commitment to everybody else, that kind of makes sense. It's a business.
4: It is. It's too bad, and it's why the A's need to increase their revenue. Let's face it, it's as simple as that, right, Chris? And that's what the whole stadium situation is about. So, and it's just tough. It's tough on the fan base to see great players leave. And, you know, you just don't want to, because the A's are a ways away from developing that next generation of great players. When that happens, have to hold on to them, Chris.
1: Yeah, because, you know, we don't. We don't know and we don't know when the next ballpark is going to you know, when this new I should say when this new ballpark mm-hmm. is gonna happen. Uh I just know this. The players that will be in their prime are guys that currently may be in high school or maybe even in college.
4: Yeah, or maybe A-ball, a ball and double A. I mean you would hope maybe. that yeah, guys like so I'm I'm excited. It's a long ways away and prospects are prospects until they prove something but Max Muncy's having a good year at, at uh, Stockton and A-Ball, Soderstrom's at Lansing so you hope those guys are part of the foundation that the A's can grow with but it's hard to project with players that are in the low minors. They, both guys were number one picks. All the pitchers the A's got in the deals during the spring, they got two number ones and a number two. They got the Blue Jays number one uh in the Chapman deal so you just hope that all that all that promise comes to fruition at some point
1: you're right I'm worried about when the ballpark opens up right because we don't know right we're hoping 27 could be 28 well that's yeah I could, mean that's could be five 29, years five 30. years
4: down the road to, and so those guys are an a ball in double a if they do if all this comes to materializes yeah that those best guys case could, scenario yeah could provide yeah. the foundation yeah. We're, and that's what we're we're hanging our hats on.
1: You know the thing about what we got here now, which should keep you interested, is what we saw last night, what we've seen with Frankie, what we've seen with Paul Blackburn. Those three, if you look at the numbers, you look at you you look at Cole Irvin's numbers at home at the Coliseum this year. It's a 1.49 ERA at home this year.
4: Well, we're going to hear from Scott Emerson on the pregame show, the A's pitching coach, of course, and the A's for a team that with the one loss record struggling so badly, they have three of their starters in the top 18 in the American League in ERA And Blackburn and Montas and Irvin. Now Irvin's going to fall out tomorrow because he won't have enough innings, but he's qualified as of today, so they've done a good job. And, and uh, they're also going with a little more of a small – now they've, they've – We're seeing what they can do when the ball leaves the ballpark. You know, they've struggled so badly to homer, but they had three home runs in the first game of the series against the Mariners on Thursday. Two long balls were big last night. They're still at the bottom in the league in home runs, but you have to develop power too, right, Chris? You can't win in this league unless you've got guys who can hit the ball out of the ballpark. And they have seven home runs in their last five games, so we'll see if they can sustain that.
1: Yeah, have you seen uh, many teams win a lot of football games that don't score touchdowns? No, you, that's
4: right.
1: <laughs> and the great A's teams We're going to field
4: gold you to death. <laughs> the great, Chris, the great A's teams were never high batting average teams. I know. They were high on base teams, but they were home run teams. They hit home runs. They hit over 200 home runs a year. All those great clubs did that or came close to it. So have to develop that right now in the system. And I, I wa- think they've got some guys who are showing that kind of promise.
1: I want your opinion on this because it's something that irked me, and I I don't know whether you guys were even in town or not when it happened. But I I, I like got tired of this. Otani is just this—he's great, right? He's something we've never seen. And Trout's uh, greatest player of all time. But then all of a sudden they lost those 14 games, and Joe Madden got fired, and I was like, Otani shouldn't be MVP because—and and I went and did it myself. I went and did all the numbers, and during the 14-game streak, he stunk, pitching and hitting. Mm-hmm. And then today, Joel Sherman finally called out Brian Kinney on MLB Now. I don't know if you ever watched that show. But Joel Sherman just said, I don't want to hear about it anymore. He's one
4: of your big-time guests on your show. I love him. Yeah. And, but yeah.
1: Sherman was like, I'm so tired of hearing. It. When the team need, and I, I'm i full of agreeance. I've been talking about this for weeks. When the team needs you most, you are nowhere to be found. And then now the team's out of it. Oh, two
4: home runs here. Well, we had this discussion at lunch the other day in Seattle with Kipe and and Dallas. Ooh, because
1: Dallas is all in on Otani. Well,
4: and Kype's position is that if you voted for Otani for MVP last year and he's doing similar things, if not better, especially on the pitching side, this year, why would you not vote for him this year? And I've always taken the stance, Chris, unless someone is just light years better, that I want to see what you do in September. I like to see your club in a pennant race and when the heat's on and how do you perform so i've I've always been biased toward a player on a team that's in contention and especially one that wins and gets to the postseason now we don't have a vote right we never will
1: yeah why do you not but, have
4: a vote No, I'm not we're not members of the baseball writers yeah Association. but the only
1: reason why the writers well, we don't have vote it, for
4: the Hall of Fame either
1: d- you know why it's because when they d- when they start all this stuff we didn't have television radio was right. primitive right so the writers were king. But we've evolved as humans, and we've evolved as a media. We have. Yes, and the fact <laughs> that uh, writers are now on – you know what's funny about that? Writers are the ones on the way out.
4: The other, thing, the other thing I was told is that, like, in my case, because I work for the club, paycheck comes from the A's, that there's, they would say, well, there is an inherent bias, like with the Hall of Fame. You'd be more prone to vote for your guys, A's guys, so you, you would lose your objectivity. And my answer to that is we all have to reconcile our own credibility, first of all. And the other thing is that the line's really been blurred, even for writers, because they're writers that are getting paychecks from radio stations and maybe uh, pregame and postgame shows that, Flying are, that, with the team. that are that are owned by the ball yeah. clubs and stuff. So yeah. that, that whole thing has been, it's been blurred for the last several years. So I'm not sure that that, that rationale holds yeah, too much water this, now.
1: Let's throw this out there. I think of yourself – I think Vinny, I think Bill King. Uh, let's go over to Lon Simmons, Hank Greenwald, whoever you want to think over on the Giants side. John Miller, mm-hmm. you don't think all of you guys, just just knowing and having dealt with all of you guys, that you would not say I I value this vote. I'm yeah, not going to be a honk. I think
4: so. Yeah, I would. Vin
1: Scully would not give you an, an honest. Yeah, uh,
4: I think seriously. So. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But that's not going to happen. It's okay. It's not that big a deal.
1: It may change. I mean, we're running out of writers. I mean, there's not the baseball writers that there used to be. And a lot of these guys, what we're finding out is still have votes, and they haven't covered the game in a long time.
4: I miss that because when I started here, we had like five uh, papers covering the A's on a daily basis and traveling. Might have been a half a dozen. We have one. Yeah, right, and the and MLB, right? And Martín Gallegos is MLB.com. dot It's not paper. Yeah, yeah. We have one. We have but one paper. We had CC Times, Oakland Tribune, yep. San Jose Mercury News, Examiner, Chronicle,
1: Press Democrat,
4: and Sacramento Bee yeah. with us back then. You know, I enjoyed that. It was fun.
1: Yeah, a lot has changed, but I'd like to see you guys actually have a vote. I think it would be—I think it helped the well, credibility. You. You could
4: carry the ball for us. Well, because
1: because we have columnists in the Bay Area who still have a vote, and you'll never see them here. Right. So how can they really? They'll go over to Giant games. They may may not watch our games, but if you have to give a vote on an American League player on whether this guy should go into the Baseball Hall of Fame or not, and let's say like, you know. For example, Toronto comes one time a year. Could Vladimir Guerrero Jr. be a Hall of Famer someday? Sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Could maybe Bo Bichette? Sure. If you don't come and watch these guys' careers and you're voting on their careers, that's the problem I have with these random calmness who have votes.
4: And I felt that way a little bit in the days before interleague play that I didn't know the National League that well. I mean, when I was a kid, I went to Dodger Stadium all the time and before that the Coliseum in L.A. But now with interleague play, you're seeing the other league even. So you get a little better feel for some of the players on, in the other league.
1: Which, have you switched at all your thoughts <laughs> on, because you're old school, American, national. It's so blurred now. And next year with yeah, the way the schedule wanna, works.
4: Yeah, I want to see how it works out because I'm a little concerned about the schedule. Because when, when Interleague play, the advent of Interleague play was in 97. And I'm not sure if it was the next year where there were a ton of two-game series. And the travel was awful. You'd go in someplace and play a night game, a day game, you were gone, then another two-game series, and you had all these. It was just really rough as far as travel, crisscrossing the country, trying to play these Interleague games. And that's so not I'm good not baseball, sure. by the way. No, it's not. It's not. Um you know the reasons that I don't particularly care for it is that I like, I like playing games that impact your league. I like playing a game against a club where the standings come more into focus when you're playing that team, and so that doesn't happen when you're now. A win is a win, and it counts on your record. And some of the great A's clubs dominated the National League, and that was helpful. But and you know it's also just a, just my own kind of personal perspective on it is that I like doing games against teams that I know and I think it makes it makes it for it makes for a better broadcast for me uh, when you get to know these clubs and now you don't see them that often you prepare for a team and you see them in two games you don't see them for another three years and to me that's not a whole lot of fun but the ship has sailed on that I mean interleague yeah. play is here it's not going away so I just hope that in terms of the of the schedule that they do it in a way that at least makes the travel smoother than it was back in the early days when we were stuck with all these two-game series.
1: When we were talking about Matt Chapman being one of the greatest third basemen that we've ever seen, I mean, for me, he's the best defensive third baseman I've ever seen. And, you know, when you start looking at guys, and we we're talking about Brooks Robinson, I'm too young, and then I said he Mike Schmidt, because even though Mike Schmidt's a national league guy, I grew up in a national league town, but you never you know, mm-hmm. we didn't have we didn't have M L B network, we didn't have Sports Center, we didn't you didn't get to see every one mm-hmm. of his games, every at bats, all the different highlights to where now we get to see more than ever before. I would just say what we're about to do is going to allow at least young kids to see everybody. Yeah, and I get the argument. Basis. I get yeah. the
4: argument. So there's there are other things to me about the game that are more important. From my point of view, if I were like Commissioner Korak. So, I mean, it's like I said, it's not going to, nothing's going to change where the interleague play is here to stay. And I mean, I, I really love watching guys that you know are going to put people in the ballpark. And that's what the A's need to develop. Yes. You need, A's need a Julio Rodriguez. We talked about it over then. Julio was just named the American League Player of the Week for the week ending Sunday, that he's going to put people in the seats in Seattle. And those are the guys that you can build a franchise around and build your marketing and sales. Guys like that are really important in the game. And even with the All-Star game coming up, I hope that there's a way to showcase the young players beyond the Futures game. But a guy like Rodriguez should be in the All-Star game because you want the whole country to see someone who doesn't maybe get as much exposure as some of the other players because he's playing up in Seattle.
1: How, how, how do you get a Julio Rodriguez, and how do we get him here tonight?
4: Well, he's an international <laughs> signing. You know, he was an international sign by by the Mariners. So. And that's why the Astros yeah. are the
1: Astros right now. Their international signings have been fantastic.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Well, they traded for Alvarez from the Dodgers, well,
1: <laughs> pretty That was amazing. A, that was a <laughs> steal. It, it
4: was a steal, and he's He's right there right now to me with, uh, aren't you with, curious with to see, Judge for MVP.
1: I. Aren't you curious to see what he looked like when they made that trade? Because now he's just so massive. He's such a big guy. He was a young kid at the time. Was he just a tall, lanky guy, didn't have a lot of pop? Like, how, Who said, yep, give that guy up? Scott
4: Emerson said that he is as good a hitter as he's ever seen.
1: How do you give that guy up?
4: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you're, there are times when you win, you try to win now. And so you're willing to trade a low minorist guy, an obscure guy, which he was at the time, because you're trying to get a big league ball player. And that's the way a lot of these deals come down. So, Where are we? Ti- I've lost track. You're having we've, so we, much fun. I think we, we, we've we only
1: got, did one commercial break the entire
0: day. we got about, like, three minutes. I do want to give Ken a scouting, re- scouting report since we'll be hit. I've been to the ballpark in Texas before every one of our broadcasters.
1: You haven't been there yet?
4: No, in fact, the A's are playing the Astros this weekend, which will mark two series at home against the Astros and two series at home against the Rangers before the A's even go to Texas for the first time this year. But, yeah, it's, it's wait, true.
1: Wait, what? Wait, what happened last year? The, we didn't we travel didn't broad,
0: travel. In travel. We didn't travel last
1: year? We no. have not
4: been on the road since 2019. Yeah. Except, where have I been? Except in 2020? Well,
1: that's where I've been in my garage. We did a series <laughs> in San Francisco last <laughs> year. I've been in the home studio now. We for, didn't
4: go to L.A. for the playoffs in, in 2020.
1: That's correct. We did every right. game, but I thought, I thought last year we no. traveled. Yeah. So, so the, anyway,
4: the commander has a scouting the scouting report. The
0: ballpark's awesome. Uh, 104 degrees outside. You go inside. A cool 72 with the roof closed. Every day. Every day. They got they got amenities all around the ballpark. The broadcast booth and the press box is still now a little you high. you
4: talk to me about things that matter to me, like the booth. Nothing else. I don't care about the amenities. <laughs> the fans? For, for the, what do they matter? The commander. Come on. Uh, he
1: wants to know how's the food and how's his view.
0: I think the broadcast yeah. booth is it's it's higher up there, but I wouldn't say it's like where you're going to be up there and you can't see any, any binoculars see what's going on in the field. But – it's, it's, it's not low on a lower light. I would say it's it's probably higher than where the Bill King booth is. Yeah, everybody's is, though. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. But yeah, it's not low like the Giants have theirs. It's not like that.
4: Houston is low, too. Houston's great view from there for a new ballpark. It's a little unusual, just to the right of home plate, down low. Uh, I was told it's not as high as... It's not like Pittsburgh. As, yeah, right. Because there was a lot of concern in our fraternity <laughs> about the new ballpark in Texas, but it's not. I don't. They, they say it's not quite as bad as it was made out to be before it opened. So, I mean, I, but I, yeah, I can. I'm I'm digging the air conditioning. Yeah, that's that so was the best part. No wind and no papers flying all over the place and no Bill King slamming his briefcase in his <laughs> notebook because the wind drove him crazy and. Well, so.
1: if you if, if you think about the long-term investment and all the different issues that the Rangers had from a standpoint of people deciding on whether to – are we going to go to the game? I don't know. It could rain. It's not. The humidity, lightning, all that kind of stuff, that's all thrown out, and now they can guarantee they have 81 games. It's like that roof will pay
4: for itself. That was the only good thing about AstroTurf in the early days of AstroTurf. Because now they have this incredible drainage at all the natural turf ballparks, where it can rain for two hours like crazy, and then you can play a game. But in the early days of AstroTurf, in places like Kansas City, Chris, yeah, where they really relied on people coming from far away, maybe spending a weekend, in St. Louis for Saint years Louis Saint too, Saint. yeah, and that's why you know, as 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 awful as AstroTurf really was to play on, uh, there those that was the only benefit of it because you could have a big thunderstorm in the Midwest and then play a game on time at 7 o'clock.
1: Do we got time for one buying or selling? Sure, why not? What, what's and Ken Korak can play buying or selling, the voice of your Oakland
0: Athletics? Are you going to make me find it all because I have like a 1,000 of them. There's so many on here that we haven't even used. From- Give us a
1: good one. We have Ken Korak here, for God's sakes. You right, don't me- get him here every day.
0: <laughs> let me get Let me I'm looking. Hold on. I put a new one. Oh, I know what I can ask him. The, the Buster Posey question Ooh. Hall of Fame no, We'll get into that another time We need more okay. time than this right now Okay. So Ken Rosenthal put Will Smith and Buster Posey In the same sentence in his new piece How dare he The future Hall of Famer versus some Dodgers catcher But listen to their numbers for their first 284 games According to Ken Rosenthal Buster Posey, his slash line 307, 374 uh, 489 That's in 41 career right, home runs right. Will Smith, 261, 349 eight seventy OPS and he had sixty home runs. Will Smith has a nine forty three career OPS with runners and scoring position. Posey well lowered eight eighty eight OPS runners scoring position. Right. Buying or
4: selling Will Smith is the next Buster Posey. I think he might be. I really like Will Smith. I think he's outstanding. Drafted the same year as I think Sean he's Murphy. A, yeah. The
0: actor or the ball
4: player? <laughs> I like Sean Murphy a lot too. So I think Will Smith has a chance to be Maybe not a perennial All Star, but to make several All Star teams in the National League. No, I really like him.
1: I'll buy it, but he's got more. He's got more pop, yeah. and more pop will play longer for him, which I think will skew his numbers. But he's not. Well, I don't know. He was part of the World Series team. Yeah, he's also. They yeah. win another World Series or two. Now he's a part of a couple World he, Series he also, teams.
0: More pop, and now you're. Uh. He debuted also. To your, Posey debuted at twenty-two. Smith was twenty-four. Because remember, he was. Well, they're both college guys, but Will Smith took a little longer. Him and Murphy in the same class, class together. Buster Posey yeah. out of? Florida State. He's a
1: seminal.
4: Cal Ever? Raleigh of uh, Seattle, Mariners, Florida State guy, too.
1: By the way, a little challenge for you tonight. If you can work in RE24, the metric. Which <laughs> is? It's a great question. I'm still trying to figure it okay. out
4: myself. Larry Doby became the first American League uh, yeah. african-american on this day you know
1: how i feel that Dr- rubs me wrong yeah. it was three months after jackie Robinson. and people act like it was years no it was three, just three months later he and did the everything the same The
4: thing about and they both were great and they both dealt with so much racism yeah. and all the segregation chris and they're both in the hall of fame thank goodness but doby came straight from the negro leagues there's a great story on Newark. mlb.com today by anthony castro vince about doby and his life and yeah he actually literally took the train from newark to join the uh, the uh, then cleveland indians in chicago at the old comiskey park and overnight train to get there and signed a pinch hit on this date he was uh, he the broke the color barrier in the american league
1: second african-american to be a manager yeah you're talking about a guy who was I mean, led the American League in home runs. He led him in RBIs. He was an all-star. He was a great player. He was a World Series champion. He was, on he was
4: the an play. executive, too, after yeah. his playing days. He had a nice career after he was done playing. And so, none of these Trude. guys
1: know who he is.
4: Number 14.
1: That's the thing. It's like everybody knows who Jackie Robinson is, but Larry Doby right. did the exact same thing, and nobody knows who he is, and he was and a he great He had a great player.
4: career, so I'm glad he's getting recognized today on the anniversary.
1: Is that <laughs> it for the show? That's it, yeah. What time is
4: it? Uh, Five twenty. It just went by so quick. You are having so much fun, Tony.
1: Uh, I can't. Yeah. yeah, I may keep you longer for the postgame show tonight. Days <laughs> clubhouse with Ken. Co- you know what? 833-625-2278. Ask Ken. We get have well, a we segment. We
4: calls. I love we it. We used all to night do. Long. We used to do that in, during rain delays when I was working with Bill. You guys and used take to take calls during the delays, <laughs> and it was like the greatest talk radio in the world because everybody wanted to talk to Bill. How often did Ace fans have a chance to, like, Not talk directly to Bill yeah. and ask him questions? Well, Phone you, lines lit up, man. You could do
1: Warriors, you could do Raiders, yeah, you no, could do anything. Man, it was really cool. Well, great stuff. Thank you for Thanks, stopping buddy. by. We'd like to thank Stephen Piscotti, Nick Allen, and Ken Korak. Now back to A's cast powered by iHeartRadio.
0: This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.